0: Hey, hey, and welcome to a bonus parents only edition of Lively Conversations brought to you by Table 112. Whether you're at the table, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope to inspire meaningful talks about life between parents and teens. I am your host, Dana Williams, and I am so excited to introduce you to my new friend, Stuart Hall. Let me tell you a little bit about Stewart. Stewart provides vision and leadership for Orange, which is the Rethink group, and Influencer. He deeply desires to fuel the next generation of leaders worth following to engage culture. Stuart speaks to tens of thousands of students, leaders, coaches, and parents every year, and he's co-authored three books, including The Seven Checkpoints and Max Q with Andy Stanley and Wired for a Life of Worship with Louis Giglio. Stuart laughs incessantly, which you'll see as we chat, and he serves as a volunteer high school girls varsity basketball coach. Stuart and his beautiful wife, Kelly, reside just north of Atlanta, Georgia, and they have three young adult children. Now, with a background like that, you will see he has such a passion for young people, and he has a lot of wisdom to deliver to us. So I'm excited for you to hear this today. Stuart's a great communicator and a genuine encourager. I know he is loved by many of my friends. And my friends are the kind of people who a friend of theirs is a friend I'm eager to know. So earlier this year, when Stuart landed in the ICU, I held my breath and prayed, and then cheered alongside my friends when he was released from the ICU and then from the hospital. So I hope that as you go through this conversation that you're going to step away with some practical tools about parenting this generation of kids and um, and some thoughts about how we can lead them well as parents who mostly don't know what we're doing, and that is okay. I love the permission that he gives for that. So let's jump into my lively conversation with Stuart. Welcome to the show, Stuart. I'm so glad to have you with us here on Lively Conversations.
1: I am stoked, amped, and every other cool word uh, to be with you. Thank you for asking me.
0: I love it. I think uh, parents are going to get something out of this conversation because we're going to go some directions that we are all curious about and need answers
1: for. For the sake of this podcast, I would ask you to lower your expectations greatly. (laughs) 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 <laughs> you may you may want to make a run to Chick-fil-A or something while we're talking.
0: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So as long as we're lowering expectations, we love to start with an <laughs> irrelevant icebreaker question. So here's my okay. question for you today. Would okay. you rather look strong and be weak or look weak and be strong?
1: Oh, look weak and be strong. Look I'm weak. 100% uh, with you. 100,000%. Um <laughs> However, the older that I get, the more vanity seems to like be chasing behind me. Uh, But yeah, at the end of the day, you can look at me and think, oh, he's nothing. But if I'm something, I'm all good.
0: I like it. (laughs) Yeah. I would rather surpass your expectations of me. So
1: yes, to disappoint. (laughs) Exactly. I want to under promise and over deliver.
0: (laughs) Yes. I'm
1: I'm glad you asked that irrelevant question because I was on a podcast this week where the question was, which mammal do you think you could punch in the face and knock out? That was the question they asked me, Dana. I I believe it. Sometimes we ask
0: questions like that. You said said a cat? cat. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good answer. Um, I actually just saw that on Instagram, but I thought thought that was so funny. Um, Okay. So Stuart, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your family and the work that you do.
1: Oh gosh. Uh, Well, Uh, The best by far thing about me is my wife, Kelly. She and I have been married for 28 years. She's the greatest gift I've ever received. Um, And I just love doing life with her. We have three young adult children. Our son, Grant, is 25, uh, graduated from Duke University where he played football in 2017 and did what anybody should do with a Duke degree, He joined the Peace Corps, Uh, (laughs) served, uh, served Uh, In all seriousness, we are so incredibly, insanely proud of him. But he served for two and a half years in Central America, came back in December, and has been in the middle of searching for a job in the middle of a pandemic. Mm, That's Uh, rough. Has recently uh, been hired, and we're stoked for him. Our oldest daughter, Chandler, is 23 Uh, She played basketball at Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida, and graduated virtually during the pandemic in our living room. But super proud of her. She's also trying to find a job in the middle of the pandemic. And then our youngest daughter, Cameron, is 20. She's a soccer player at the University of Florida and is already back at school training, uh, which creates a lot of anxiety for our family, considering that I am a COVID survivor. But uh, yeah, super proud of Cameron as well. I am a 30-plus-year youth ministry guy. I don't want to do anything else. Kelly and I think and say often that what we want to do is screech across the finish line of life with our hair on fire, believing in the next generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a 13-year youth pastor, a local church youth pastor, um, and since 2007 have worked in nonprofit world. Since 2008 have been the director of student leadership for Orange Uh, the artist formerly known as the Rethink Group. And uh, and I'm also leading an initiative called Influencer, which is the student leadership arm of what we do at Orange. So I've written, speak a ton, used to speak a ton in front of people. Now I don't do that much anymore just because we, we have to do Zoom calls. That's, yeah, that's the new norm.
0: It is totally. Sadly, I miss uh, being in in the room with the people. So, yeah, it is sure. it is
1: it is different for sure.
0: Yeah. Um. So I've heard you use this phrase over time. Anxious to matter. It's something that you say a lot. Mm-hmm. Tell us what does that mean?
1: Yeah. I, I'm not. I don't know if your listeners or viewers have ever read or seen anything that Adam Grant has written. Adam Grant is a a uh, business psychologist who teaches at the Wharton school at, at Penn University of Pennsylvania. I'm okay. a giant Adam Grant fan. And I read an article, gosh, uh, a, a a little more, a little less than a year ago. Um, and on a whim, I emailed Adam. And Dana, he emailed me back in like 15, like this dude is big time. He wrote yeah. a book called Originals that I think everybody should read. But He emailed me back in 15 minutes, and he's like, "Here's some research data that I think you should should read and study up on on this idea of mattering." And basically, what I mean by mattering, it's the extent to which you make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And all the research and data comes back and tells us that every single person on the planet. But my specific passion is for the next generation, specifically every single person on the planet to matter, they have to be, someone has to be aware of them. They have to be significant in some way. And this is the biggest part. Um, They have to be relied upon. Mm -hmm. And I think what's happening with the next generation, especially because of social media and what all those channels do, um, plenty of people are aware of who they are because they can make themselves Aware of bull. I don't even know if that's a word, but there's an awareness (laughs) of them simply because they exist. Right. And in most families, parents, you know, we want our children to know they're significant to us. But here's where we're missing it. Very few teenagers feel like they're relied upon. Hmm. There's there we're not leaning into them and going, if you don't come through, there's going to be a missing. I'm convinced it's one of the reasons why there's always this conflict in the local church about teenagers, especially doing things that are not a part of the local church. They're involved in travel sports, and I know you're from Sugarland, and baseball's a giant thing there. So travel baseball, travel you know soccer, travel cheer, lacrosse, know, lacrosse, drama, yeah. the band, yeah. and it you know as parents we feel that tug of okay, well, you're going to have to miss you know youth group. To be a part mm-hmm. of this. Well, here's a heads up, moms and dads. Part of the reason why our kids would rather do that than go to a youth group is because they're relied upon there. Mm-hmm. There's something so like their absence means something there. If mm-hmm. you're absent at church, a discretionary activity, it's still gonna go on. Wow. But there, if you miss, it means something. And I right? think it I think it's part of why mattering is so important to the next generation. And why? what I mean when I say anxious to matter is that you would be anxious to make a difference in the world, that you would be anxious to be relied upon, that you would be anxious to be reliable. All of those things help you become the a person that people look at and go, that's a difference maker. And yeah. I'm just convinced the next generation wants to do that. They don't want to just be you know, they just don't want people aware of them. They want to be more than significant. They want something to lean on their existence. And I I think doing good is a big part of that, to be very candid with you. I think what we're seeing with the peaceful process across this country as it relates to racial unrest, if if you really pay attention, most of that's being led by Generation Z.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: So all that screams to me, they're anxious to matter. And, you know, Kelly and I just want to continue to pour gas on that fire.
0: I love that. And so let's talk to us as parents. I'm raising two Gen Z kids. We've got people listening in the audience who have kids. How can we fuel a desire in our kids to be anxious to matter?
1: Oh, that's good. I think first and foremost, as as people of faith, as people who value um, faith, I would say that dead religion, I I use this comparison all the time, and I'll use our youngest daughter, Cameron, who plays collegiate soccer. Dead religion is Cameron sitting in church thinking about playing soccer. Hmm. Active, vibrant faith is Cameron playing soccer, thinking about how can I use my platform to make much of Jesus and to do good in the world. That's what we're after. We're not after the former. We're after the latter. What we want to do is help our children. Every parent wants our children to look at whatever it is that they're a part of and go, how do I use this platform to do good in the world and make much of the one who created me to do good? Mm -hmm. So I think before we do anything else, we have to define reality correctly. And reality is that everything is spiritual. We have to quit segmenting. Faith life and real life to the next generation. So, yeah. a mom and dad that are listening to this who do business in the corporate world or have, you know, some sort of job, your job is just as spiritual as someone that does full time vocational ministry. And your children are taking their cues from you. So, do you see your responsibility as spiritual? Do you see your gifting as spiritual? Do you see your passion as spiritual? Do you understand that when those two things mesh with purpose, now you're talking about someone that really can make a difference in the world. So defining reality and then modeling is the most important thing. Yeah. We want our kids to see any gift that they have as a platform and not a stage. A, a, okay. a stage is, look at me. A platform is, this is for other people.
0: Yeah. So you're inviting other people up onto the platform with right. you is-
1: Right. And you want to, you want to leverage, you know, teenagers that are going to, you know, listen to this or their parents to this. Like every single student has some sort of gifting and passion. Well, how are you leveraging that for the good of other people? God didn't, God didn't gift you athletically for you to make much of yourself. So how do you take that and leverage it for the greater good?
0: That's really good. So one of the things that you said that I'm keying in on is um that it's so important for us to model. And that's one of the things that we say around here at Table One Twelve for parents is we have to start with me. I gotta start mm-hmm. with my own heart check, my own faith, my own journey, making sure that I'm in a good place to model that. So yeah, I love so I love true. that.
1: Yeah. That's so true.
0: So I'm gonna pivot a little bit here. And oh, um, if there's <laughs> one of the two
1: words I wish we would never hear again.
0: That's unpre- as-
1: bad and unprecedented.
0: It's <laughs> a not a 2020 sort of pivot.
1: <laughs> okay. I I will, uh, I will go with your pivot.
0: Okay. This is just a topic change, okay? Let's make it simple. <laughs> so, if there's one topic that every parent of a teenager spends emotional and mental energy thinking about, it's how to have healthy and productive conversations about sexuality with their kids. Mm. And frankly, that's a topic that's probably best served in a parents only episode like this, because it's kind of hard to put a microphone in front of a teenager and say, tell us what you think about this. (laughs) So they're just not quite ready for that. Um, And to have the whole world listen in on that conversation, because they're still figuring things out on their own. So that in no way diminishes the priority for parents to be having those conversations. And I say conversations on purpose because it's not just the talk, it's talks. And so with all of that said, tell us like what's an important shift that parents and adults should make when they're talking to students about sexuality?
1: Yeah unequivocally uh, with the work that we do with Orange we we are completely convinced that we have to shift the conversation with the next generation as it relates to sexuality from purity to sexual integrity. Purity culture has, in many regards, caused more harm than it's done good. It doesn't mean that purity is a bad word. It's a good word, but it's way too easily misinterpreted. Because purity technically means that anytime you think something that's impure, see something that's impure, you can no longer be pure. And consequently, we all who grew up during the heyday of purity culture, have taken it. We've seen teenagers and now adults who were teenagers during that time take advantage of that technicality and either feel like I can never be pure again and be, you know, just absolutely slammed with guilt and shame, or they just put their foot on the gas and go, well, I'll never be pure. So we might as well rock and roll and keep moving. So the shift to us needs to be from The idea of purity, which if we get really honest, we have defined purity as the absence of sin. The reality is purity is more about the fullness of God than it is the absence of sin. But unfortunately, technically, we see it as the absence of sin. And here's what we know. Nobody has an absence of sin. So nobody is pure. So it's a futile idea. Sexual integrity, on the other hand, is this idea of establishing boundaries around me that protect my intimacy with my future spouse. Hmm. Being wise about the boundaries that I have around me so that I'm protecting my, my future intimacy and I'm protecting as well those people who I may do life with in some regard. I tell you, Dana, where it really became evident to me that we have an issue with purity. This actually happened in Houston. Uh, I want to make sure I get the name of the school right. Gregory Lincoln Middle School painted above their lockers last year this statement The more you act like a lady, the more he'll act like a gentleman.
0: Cool.
1: And there's an unspoken implication in that. That's a result of purity culture. And the unspoken implication is, ladies, it's your responsibility to keep a young man pure. Mm, and that's. I want every mom and dad and every teenager who has the courage to listen to this, to hear this. Ladies, girls, it is not your responsibility to keep young men pure. That is his responsibility. Yeah, It's his and his alone. The other part that I think plays along with, with the purity culture, Dana, that I think is dangerous, is that we've kind of set guys up to think, That sex is unbelievably pleasurable for you, but it's an absolute dread for women. And all of us who are raising up, you know, we have two young adult daughters in our house. My wife and I want them to know that sex is as pleasurable for them, is designed to be as pleasurable for them as it is men. And so consequently, we can't keep talking about it like, as long as you dress appropriately, he's not going to He's not going to slide into temptation, right? We, you know, even when we talk to, all of the data screams at us that when we talk about sex with our kids, a young man can talk about his, you know, genitalia and his anatomy, and young women won't. Hmm. The young men will come up with some sort of nickname for their stuff. They do, and (laughs) and young young women won't even talk about it. And I think it's part of what the church has done we've always had a complicated relationship with the body and sexual integrity allows you to go, you know what, let me create some boundaries here so that sex was intended for pleasure for both male and female. And so we just think that it's a way for you to go, okay, I probably shouldn't listen to that. I probably shouldn't look at that, but that's holistically about me, not about this other person. And if you do mess up, sexual integrity says, I can pick myself up, dust myself off and keep moving where purity goes. I can never go back to being pure. Does, right. that, does that make sense?
0: It totally makes sense. And I would probably add on that, you know, it's not just for our students because integrity doesn't go away just when you say I do. Like right. integrity is still your responsibility and my responsibility as a. Grown adults in marriages, and so like the, there's never this end date where it expires, right? And I think that's important for our yeah. kids to learn. The other I'm thing got, that can I, I, I'm no, sorry. I
1: well, I was just going to say, and since this is an adult-only show, I'm going to say this. Uh, I and I've I've brought this up several times in interviews and discussions about the purity thing. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Fifty Shades of Grey franchise became what it was. Because I think what it's saying to us is women around the world are tired of the narrative being only men enjoy sexuality. Right. It wasn't men going to see that movie, by the way.
0: (laughs) No, it wasn't. It wasn't men.
1: It was women. And I think what it's screaming is, you know, it's been created for us as much as anybody else. Mm -hmm. And... We, we have to keep that in mind, because if not, we raise up young women who are going to get married, and then we wonder why they have so much sexual tension in their relationships. Yeah. Uh, well,
0: in part, it's because we've told them sex is bad, save it for marriage.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: Which is such a confusing message. It's
1: such a, it's such a confusing <laughs> message. And then they go from, no, 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 Go! Yeah. And and that's just an impossible thing. So the best thing we as parents can do is to become comfortable talking about sexuality. And here's a heads up, moms and dads, Generation Z is the most sexually fluid generation in the history of our country. Um yeah. sexual fluidity also means young men and women who are struggling with, you know, some sexual orientation that's different than same sex. I mean, uh, different than you know, uh, heterosexual. heterosexual relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kept having all those words going through my mind, <laughs> um, and and we've got to be okay having those discussions because if we make it weird, why in the world would they want to talk to their parents, the very yeah. people that they should want to talk to this uh, about this with?
0: Definitely. I totally agree with that. And we kind of joke around here. Lexi loves Lexi's my 13 year old and she is very free to ask us anything she wants to, to the point that I usually blush. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, we, she's a singer. And so we've kind of started joking like, cause she just asks the most awkward conversations. So now we have a little jingle mm-hmm. that we sing when it happens, <laughs> but it's just all in fun. Right. Uh, but I, I love that she does want to talk about things like that with us. And, yeah. um, Yeah, you've got to create a sense of belonging and safety for our kids to be able to talk about those things. Yeah,
1: pornography, you know, they're also the most sex saturated generation in the history of Mm -hmm. our country. And here's what pornography has done generally to this generation young men are constantly objectifying young women. And this is the scary part young women are objectifying themselves. Yes, That's always been a part of the equation, but never more and never more intensely as it is now. And so the, the discussions that mom and dad can have and the way that mom and dad model sexuality and attraction and affection in front of their children goes so far in their healthy perspective of their of their sexuality.
0: Definitely. And I'm glad you brought up the topic of pornography because I think it's important for parents to realize that that's not a gendered issue. Correct. It's not like the boys need to be pulled aside and they're the only ones who need to have that conversation. So, no, question. Yeah.
1: no question about it. And, and, you know, talking about honest conversation, we've, and since we're being adults on the show, you know, we, you, masturbation, for example, has always been a male issue. Well, you know, young women have to figure out their bodies as well. And the pornography issue pours into that. So how do we help even our daughters understand that delicate balance between discovery and falling into a place where it it becomes a never ending rabbit hole that you can't get out of? That's what, that's why, Us talk the people with an the people with the monopoly on purpose should be the loudest, clearest voice about this, and those are Jesus people. God created sex somewhere in creation. God looked at his board of angels and said, "I think I have a great idea," but it was His idea, so we should be the people that are the most comfortable talking about it. Our children should have the most healthy perspective about it, and purity. Dana, I cannot tell you when we have researched the number of psychologists and psychiatrists of social workers who are telling us that people who grew up in the purity culture era are exhibiting the same sort of traumatic syndrome as people who have been abused and raped. Wow. There's a problem. There's something not right about our narrative if that's how they look at sexuality. So I, and I think it's a simple, subtle change.
0: Yeah. Changing the conversation to back to where we started all of this is integrity right? and it touches so many things and gives, gives us a a chance to pick up dust off and move on. So yeah, yeah, I love that. So (laughs) we're, we're in the topic of parenting and if any of us are honest, we're going to admit that we really don't have this thing figured out. I mean, that's all of adulting really, but probably especially accentuated in when we when we look at parenting teenagers. If you haven't realized that you can't control them, then you definitely realize you can't control mm-hmm. them. So what would you say to the parent who is feeling like, I just don't know what I'm doing. I don't have any of this figured out.
1: Parenting has been, is, and will forever be an amateur sport. We are always the USA basketball team. This Olympic cycle before the dream team, we we will always be amateurs. There is no such thing as a professional parent. By the way, Dan, if you brought me on here to to, to act like a professional parent, you got the wrong dude. I,
0: oh, I'm not one either.
1: <laughs> there is no such thing, and anybody who stands up in front of you or is selling that narrative is just not telling you the truth. It yeah. it is always an ever-changing target and an untamed land so if you're feeling away a about you know' a, you're, you're feeling like a failure as a parent it's it's what comes with the territory and some of it makes sense uh, you know if you consider the lack of forethought and str- strategic thinking, on the front end of all of us who became parents before we became (laughs) parents. It's it's not like we sat down and developed a plan. It generally goes this way. The husband looks at the wife and says, you're hot. And the wife looks at the husband and says, eh, and y'all decide to. And and you have a baby. And some of us are dumb enough to do it multiple times. (laughs) So it's not as if we should be shocked by the fact we don't know what we're doing because we didn't even go into it with a plan. Totally. And, and then you're raising a generation that is just so much if if I have any sort of encouragement for moms and dads, we have to raise the children that we have and not the children that we were.
0: Mm, that's good
1: We have to we have to love and nurture the kids that we have and not the kids that we were. It is a different I know this about myself. I marvel at our three children. I could not have survived in this culture. The fact that our kids are even functional in this <laughs> culture should, should be a, a miracle to all of us. So mom and dad, it's, it is an amateur sport. You're not going to perfect it. In fact, the millisecond you feel like you're you've perfected it. You better look around the corner because something's coming. I, I think another important thing for parents to remember is If mom and dad will just be consistent and be on the same page, you're giving yourself a fighting chance. Oh, yeah. Be consistent and be on the same page. There's nothing worse than moms and dads who have differing opinions about about parenting. That's where, to me, it becomes problematic because our love doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be true. Mm. Our love for our children doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be true. The last thing I would say is do not be afraid to let your children fail. We are living in a time where, back to the original question about mattering, part of the reason why children aren't relied upon is because we're so afraid of failure that we don't put them in environments where they may fail and consequently they they never get no one ever leans and and relies on them but part of our kids becoming the fully functional adults and the bigger part the greatest version of the person god created them to be failure is a part of that and we so quickly rush in to save our kids out of adversity when adversity is really a stress test for the, your belief system and theirs. Yeah,
0: so, definitely.
1: So let them get intention. Those are the times and those are the ways that God builds them up, um, makes them stronger. It also allows you to test your theories. You know, <laughs> I had incredible ideas about parenting when I wasn't a parent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Me too.
1: <laughs> and I, I talked a whole lot of noise uh, when I had children hypothetically. And then we had kids, and and every single one of them is different, and it has changed the way not only I view parenting, but the way I view God. It's It's mm. been the greatest theology lesson ever.
0: Yeah, I definitely see that. And even this week, as I'm thinking about the events in our house of this week, it's changing how I see God and God's just um, unconditional love no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and there's lessons like that all along the way.
1: And can I add one more thing? I know I'm pressing. Of
0: course. Of course.
1: You don't have to be right to have influence.
0: Unpack that a little bit more.
1: If you need to be right, there's a very high probability you're going to destroy your capacity to have influence. But you you don't have to be right to have influence. The question all of us as moms and dads have to ask ourselves is, do I want to be right or do I want a relationship with my child? Sometimes there are some things that are just absolutely right and absolutely wrong, and those are die on a mountain, die on a hill issues, and I get that. But too many times, we so badly as parents want to be right that we destroy the relational bridge with our children. And if your right is actually right, how do you influence your child to get to what is right if you don't have any influence?
0: That's right. So.
1: That was a pun. Do you see what you said there? That's right. No,
0: I didn't. That's
1: right. (laughs) That's right. That was
0: unintentional.
1: What you and I have to ask ourselves is, is this worth me losing relational leverage with my child? Yeah. Just because I have to be right.
0: Right. And I think one of the things that can help us as parents is to remember back to a time when we were in the wrong. Like (laughs) that you can go, I was wrong and somebody loved me through that.
1: Not only that, but think about how many things we thought we were right about.
0: And 10 years
1: down the road, we completely changed our mind about it. So I think we have to even be careful about what we think we're right about.
0: 100%. (laughs) Yes, indeed. All right. So let's wrap this up for the listeners. How can they connect with you online?
1: Okay. Uh, The organization I work for is uh, thinkorange.com. So think t-h-i-n-k orange you like the color or the fruit orange.com they can also follow us at our initiative um influencer.com influencer is the worst grammatic spelling ever it's i-n-f-l-u-n-s-r dot com i-n-f-l-u-i-n-f-l-u-n-s-r dot com that's our student leadership initiative and then on social media i am Stuart hall the most narcissistic uh, <laughs> twitter instagram handle and Stuart, it's spelled S T U A R T. And Hall is spelled H-A-L-L-I-M, Stuart. Hall.
0: Okay. We're going to link to all of that in the show notes. Cool. Um, and as we wrap up, we always love to ask this question. So because the show is Lively Conversations, you get three blanks. For me today, blank is life, blank is life, and blank is life. Have fun, be serious, whatever.
1: Oh. <laughs> For me today, Kelly, my kids, and elite sports medicine is life. Some of your listeners may know this. Most probably don't. But I spent the month of April in a medically induced coma because of COVID-19. So the fact that I can see my beautiful wife, her incredible kids every day, and then these men and women that work me out every day to get me back to who I was before I got sick, that's life to me. Booming Prince Bruno Mars and the Eagles. (laughs) Really, really loud is life to me today. Yeah. Um, I am all three of those like if I can crank it up on those guys it's awesome the nBA actually having live games again
0: is mm-hmm. like me
1: that's been really really good I'm gonna add a fourth one I'm sorry uh, that's fine vanilla bean Greek yogurt and sliced strawberries
0: ooh that sounds delicious
1: it's it's like a guilt free sweet treat uh, nice. that has lots of protein which my physical therapists say I need but that is bringing me a ton of life today.
0: That's Those are great answers. <laughs> and I, I do want to say about uh, you going through the medically induced coma and things like that. I came across your profile then. I knew who you were before that, but we have so many mutual friends and they were sharing about what was going on with and um, asking people to pray for you. So I started following that journey. And, you know, today is the first day that you and I have met, but I will tell you, like I was praying along and I cried when they wheeled you out of that ICU. And then they drove you through the parking lot when you got sent home. So I'm just so happy that you're you're still with us today and totally love your answers for what is life today. Dana, thank you
1: for Thank you for praying me home. There's no question it's people like you that are the reason why I'm alive and incredible healthcare workers who risk their own life to save mine. I cannot brag on them enough. Um, yeah. And side note, PSA, please wear a mask. That's just for free. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have every right to say that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And oh, if God, you man. don't, it's America. You have the right to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow, I hope you are stepping away from that conversation inspired to find ways that your kids can be depended on and the spaces that they occupy so they can so that you can fuel their desire to be anxious to matter. You are also stepping away with a lot to consider about using the concept of integrity as you engage your kids in conversations about sexuality. I hope that's a tool that leads our kids to a stronger, healthier, more God-centered place in that area. And then lastly, I hope you're encouraged because none of us are pros at parenting. We need each other as we journey through raising up the next generation together. And I'm so glad that you're part of this conversation. I would love to hear from you about what would be helpful to you right now in your Your journey so you can catch us on instagram at the table 112 that's the number 112 or shoot us an email to hello at table 112.com thanks for listening we will catch you next week with another bonus parents only edition
1: party people deuces